Huge show today. Welcome in, everybody. Patrick Johnson here with you. We've got uh, the P-Man on a Wednesday, the midweek edition, all downhill from here, getting you home uh, after uh, Halloween and uh, the beginning of the month. And really nice weather, all things considered. That'll continue through the week and in the weekend. Uh, we have uh, a huge show today. Looking forward to having Donnie Kirkpatrick on with us. We're going to talk to him next segment. Uh, and uh, appreciate Coach giving us some time here this afternoon. So we're going to talk to Donnie K coming up in a bit, and uh, we'll try to get to our pal Brian Mull uh, from uh, the Blue Ribbon uh, preseason uh, magazine and notebook, also uh, with uh, various other outlets that uh, cover college basketball. I guess that's the same thing. Uh, but uh, he'll be uh, uh, collegeinsider.com is the one that uh, was escaping me there from all. So we'll talk a little college ball with him. Uh, all right, right now we begin things with today's Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. We start with uh, some comments from Jira Wilson from earlier in the week, and he talked about how excited the Pirate locker room was after their win against BYU. As you would imagine, everybody celebrating, dancing around, hype, just... Great atmosphere, got win number six, bowl game, everything that came with it, the long trip, it was a, it was a great win. Jaira Wilson says, yeah, I enjoyed the trip to Utah. I loved it, to be honest. The mountains, I've never seen mountains before either. I stay on the coast along the beach, along the water, so the mountains, that was something new for me, but it was definitely something uh, like a sight to see, especially like with the snow being on top yeah. of it and stuff like that. It was just something cool for me. Yeah, uh, Jaira, a young man from uh, Jacksonville, and he talks about growing up. In Jacksonville, there's Jairo Wilson, the uh, Northside product. I moved around a lot being in the military, but I spent about eight or nine years of my life in Jacksonville. It's a small town, kind of like Greenville, without basically Greenville without the college. Yeah. So, honestly, it's probably worse than Greenville. But small town, uh, very, like, family-like because everybody knows each other, being mm -hmm. that it is a small town. But it, it was a great Great experience going on. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, I tell you, the people down at Northside, they need a few more Jaira Wilsons on the field. Uh, anyway, uh, he says that the program has really changed since Mike Houston's arrival in Greenville. Oh, yeah, it's been a big change since uh, the Coach Houston got here. The first two years, my first two years here, 18 and 19, were terrible. But well, 3-9 first year, I think 4-8 the second year. Then the third year, the COVID year, was three and six. But you could kind of see, like, the change. Like, you could see that things were going in the right direction that year. And then last year, when we finally made the bowl game, won seven games, obviously, as everybody can see, was the, the turning point since I've been here. But it was definitely been a big culture change. It was just little things that had to change off the field before we could fix what we had going on on the field to uh, turn things around. So I would say that was the biggest thing. All right, today's Pirate Report, Jaira Wilson is uh, with us on this, and this is uh, Jaira Wilson talking about the uh, kinship among this team. Oh, yes, sir. It's definitely a uh, brotherhood. Uh, Coach Houston always preaches that um, since he's gotten here. It's just a brotherhood. We play for each other, play for the school, play for the team. It's like the connection in the locker room is something like I've never been a part of in my life, and the bonds I've made here, I'll def they'll definitely last. They're beyond football now, and it'll be that way uh, for the rest of my life. Yeah, really uh, enjoy any time we get a chance to hear from Jaira Wilson, and he was uh, so great uh, when we uh, talked with him uh, earlier in the uh, year. 
And uh, this was uh, cool to have him on the uh, Coach's Radio Show the uh, other night. A couple of uh, player comments from ECU Women's Basketball Media Day. And this is uh, one of the players, uh, Tia Chambers, who talks about how the uh, team has evolved especially offensively in the offseason? Um, I think we've really evolved from an offensive standpoint. I think we have a lot more scores this year, and we really know how to um, – I think chemistry has evolved a lot from offseason. We really um, connect each other on and off the court. One of the newcomers is uh, Kamora Jenkins, and she's a transfer from Georgia. What she learned playing uh, for the Dogs in the SEC that she could bring to Greenville? Um, at my time at Georgia, I feel like I had a lot of leaders on my team, like a ton of – super seniors that have been through a lot so they taught me a lot in terms of how to be like a supportive teammate how to encourage everybody um doing your job on and off the court working hard always like stuff like that i always take from my experience there today mcneil missed uh, most of the conference season with a broken hand last year and uh, she has uh, worked on balance to her offensive game and uh, improving her defense this offseason, she says. Our offseason has been going really good. We've been focusing on us and ways that we can score. Also focusing on our defense as well and making sure that that end of the floor stays um, aggressive. Pirate report time uh, for you here. And uh, this is a young lady I had a chance to talk to the other uh, week and really enjoyed uh, getting to know, uh, and uh, she's a newcomer, and, and I think somebody that you could see maybe play a role on this team this year. And this is uh, Bobby Smith from Garner, and she talked about uh, how she worked on scoring the basketball uh, before she got to campus in June. I think my shot has improved a lot. That's really what I've been focused and working on a lot. Um, so this whole summer, I was just trying to get as many shots up as I can, just be more consistent in hitting, you know, the outside shots, um, pull-ups, all that. And so I think I've improved a lot there. Sonia Johnson is one of those uh, players that is returning. And uh, she uh, talked about uh, what she's worked on to improve her game in the offseason. Um, for me personally, I feel like I've grown a lot um, coming into this offseason. I knew the things I needed to work on, um, for example, like getting more consistent on my shot, um, being just a little bit better off the dribble. So I feel like I really honed in on those things and I'm developing a lot more of that steps. All right, we'll have Kim McNeil on the uh, program tomorrow. So looking forward to uh, talking ball with Coach McNeil. Plus, uh, we'll talk to the great Jim Zoki tomorrow here on the Patrick Johnson Show and get some comments from Coach Houston. Uh, reminder that the game times have been set for this weekend's Purple and Gold World Series at Clark LeClaire Stadium, annual inter-squad uh, matchup that the Pirates will be holding uh, tomorrow, or excuse me, Friday at uh, 3.30 will be the uh, first pitch, then an 11.30 first pitch on Saturday, Sunday, a noon first pitch with then a uh, Meet the Pirates autograph session at 2.15. Again, all going on this weekend at Clark LeClaire Stadium. We'll grab a break, and when we come back, uh, we will have Donnie Kirkpatrick with us on the Patrick Johnson Show. Always great to have Donnie Kirkpatrick. Uh, anytime we talk to him, it's a lot of fun. Coach, how are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm well. An open week. And I'm sure you're just lounging back, watching film, and chilling out, right? You know, that's kind of what you'd like to think we were doing. Uh, I said uh, earlier today, you know, you're on a win streak. We've won three in a row. Uh, we've won four out of the last five. You, you kind of hate to have a break when things are going well. You kind of like to keep that momentum going. But at the same time, nine straight games, 
is a lot in college football. Yeah, and it's yeah. a very physical game. And our games have all been closed. They went down the wire except for maybe one or two. And so we've had guys that played a lot of snaps. There's been a lot of banging going on out there. And we've had a lot of night games, which do kind of factor into the recovery time a little bit. And even the day games, you know, they were road games that you still got back late. So I do think we were a little tired, especially getting back from the Brigham Young trip, which was a great trip. Mm -hmm. But it's a long trip. And, you know, change of altitude, change of everything. And you get back really the next day. Uh, it was probably a good time for a break. So we've we've tried not to just fill the day the whole week with so many different things, but it has given us a chance to to maybe rest some of the players. All right, I want to. I got a million things to ask you, Donnie Kirkpatrick. Here with this, uh, has your play calling with the way this defense is played? Is it allowed you to maybe do a few more things this season, especially that maybe certainly you guys were unable to to want to do or, or attempt to do, you know, earlier on in the tenure of, of Coach Houston. This well, I think, I think everything factors into everything. The thing under Coach Houston's uh, system, and obviously his system's worked extremely well everywhere he's been, and I've been with him for seven years, and we've had a lot of success there. I know it was a little tough when we first got back. Uh, we're starting to see some of the benefits from the hard work now. Is It's a team game. We, we do everything together. We don't do anything separate. You know, any kind of strategy we use for the kicking game or we use for defense or we use for offense is all based on how we're going to play the game out and how do we match up, you know, on all sides of the ball. So I do think that, obviously, we have a lot of confidence in our defense and our kids are playing hard. They're playing pretty well, I think. And so, you know, coaches kind of said, you know, just call the game like you think you need to call the game. And I do think we've been able to do probably – a little more things that that you'd like to do offensively, um, and and still feel like you know you're not putting the team win in jeopardy. Right, the fourth down call that ends up rightfully so getting a flag thrown and extending the drive, which leads to the game winner yeah. by Andrew Conrad. Going in, did you guys kind of know if it gets to this situation, we're dialing one up and we're gonna we're gonna run this play. We're not gonna punt it. Well, I think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about and that we didn't fear that, oh, we'll give them the ball. There'll be a couple of, you know, completions away from maybe being able to kick a field goal and win the game. We were more in the mindset of, all right, how do we go win this game? And so uh, we're, we're always been looking for the fourth down, go for, you know, we use the analytics. You, you, you can't totally go by the analytics. Coach still has to make the call at the end, but we do have information based on what are the probabilities and, you know, that, that this would work, what's the best decision. So we're always calculating that in from second down on. And so from second down on, we knew we were in an aggressive situation where fourth down and like, you know, seven or eight was probably a go with this in that point of the field with that much time left with the score being like it was. But we still had to make that decision. And coach asked me, on the after the third down, you know, you probably want to go for it here, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. And then we kind of had a quick discussion, and then, you know, we came to the conclusion, hey, we came here to win the game. If we want to win the game, this is probably the best way to go. And yeah. we thought we had a really good call on, and Isaiah did. He had a great release. He really did beat the guy off the line of scrimmage, and the guy grabbed him right away. Now, the safety made a really good play coming over, but I thought Holton might have made the greatest throw of his entire life, and he's made a lot of great throws because he threw a ball that enabled Isaiah to go up and have a chance to catch the ball, which is super important because if the ball is not a completable ball, you know, 
then they'll pick the flag back up and say, you know, the ball was too overthrown. It wouldn't have right. been complete either way. They won't call the interference. So he, he knew it was a tight coverage. He knew the safety was coming over. He threw an absolute dime that gave him a chance. And I really believe if the guy wouldn't have grabbed him, he was going to post the safety up and make that play. So a lot of confidence we have in our players and a lot of confidence Holton has in Isaiah in that situation. And it was great that Coach had a lot of confidence, I think, in the offense. And I think the defense was 100% behind all that decision. We've got uh, Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick on his here. Pirates idle this week. So uh, Coach Donnie K is on with us. We had Blake Harold yesterday, so we appreciate the uh, coordinators uh, taking a few minutes uh, with us. We all, People always like to hear from you guys. Tell Coach Houston, people love to hear from the coordinators. That, that, <laughs> that press conference is popular, and we get a big reaction whenever we have uh, you and, and Coach Coach Harrell on the uh, on the radio with us here, so uh, it's always fun to have you on. So, well, you're butter, you're buttering me up for something. I know something's coming <laughs> up. <laughs> well, there is something coming up. Yes. So you okay, look, good. you take a lot of uh, heat, and you took a little heat uh, for the comment of uh, Holton's the greatest quarterback. Right. Look, I think right now he's playing as well as really see. Yes, you yeah, did. I didn't know that. You did. I did not know that. I, and I said, look, if he does, if Coach Kirkpatrick doesn't believe that. Who the hell is? You know, I mean, you gotta you gotta back your horse. You gotta back your guy. So you know, I, I live in a I live in a cave. I know. And, uh, I know. I don't listen to the noise, and I don't know what's out there. You know. Do you know what? Might ask me that, and right. I say, you know, uh, the only people I I talk with are Coach Houston, John Gilbert, <laughs> Philip Rogers, and my wife. Yeah. And you know what? As long as I got them people happy, right. I'm probably good to go. It, the, the wife's been a little harder to please probably than the other three right. at this point right now but no i'll stand behind that comment anybody that wants to challenge me on who's playing the best at quarterback in the country right now obviously a does not know anything about football or b has not been paying any attention to it because uh, statistically and in every category Holton right now is playing great football well uh, number one i wish i lived in a cave too i wish i i aspire for that every day but i cannot i haven't been able to get there yet <laughs> number two you're too popular you're yeah too, you're uh, too popular. that's what it is yes and number two um I think right now, and I'm a big eye test guy. I, you know, I don't get into analytics. That's just not I, I'm, my mind is not yeah. there with it. I just to me watching him the last three weeks, especially during this win streak, and really all season, save a few plays. But I mean, this this last month, he's as good as anybody in the country right now. Absolutely, I, I'm saying because you know he's winning. He's playing winning football. Uh, he's not turning the ball over. You know, and then statistically, which we're not huge on the statistics. We're not we, – we, in fact, we try to preach to our players, don't worry about yeah. the stats. Don't don't get the me monster, you know, out of control. But, you know, uh, he, he's leading the league, which we got a pretty good league. We got some good right. quarterbacks. Yeah. In, in passing, in almost every category, he's completing 70% of his passes. He's not taking sacks. You know, when he has to, he's throwing the ball away, which actually lowers your completion percentage. I don't know. He's ranked really high up in the country, too. I think it's top ten. And so, um, you know, like I say, he's on a three-game win streak. He's won four out of five now. None of us have done perfect. I that You know, most of his issues are probably my fault. And I'll take all that that anybody wants to give, you know, about it. But the young man has, has just been so committed. And I don't know if anybody could just know – how much he does for this program and this community and what he does for this team. And he just does so, so many things mentally 
that, that help us win right now. And nobody cares less about their stats than he does. He was, nobody was more happy with the win than he was. And yet nobody was more disappointed than me and him that the two previous drives before we scored, we drove the ball all the way down the field and did not get points. We missed a field goal and missed a third and one and then a fourth and one. So he's just a constant guy that's trying to get better. And that's why you just got to love him. And people that don't probably know him maybe don't have that feel. Right, but right, if they yeah. were in that room with him and they watched him work, and I don't know if they know how much of a beating he has taken here in his five years. We've been able to protect him a little more this year, but uh, – the dude literally had a separated shoulder for about a month yeah. and a half. Yeah. And, and it's missed one play. You know, I mean, this is old school throwback football type of guy right here now. You got to love it. Yeah. And look, we know Holton, and I, I've said this even before I really knew him a lot better than I know him now. Nobody wants to win in, in this program worse than Holton Ehlers. Nobody does. No, no, absolutely. Nobody not. does. And so. Uh, I, I'm happy that he's having success because when he's playing well, the team's the team's succeeding. Donnie Kirkpatrick is with us here. Uh, I love having Coach Kirkpatrick on because he uh, he tells us the straight poop. So the, obviously the Mason Garcia uh, questions uh, you know are, are are out there, but you've got a a veteran guy that's playing really really well right now, and uh, Mason Garcia is going to be fine. He's going to be fantastic, and this is all part of kind of how. Post-COVID, you guys laid it out a little bit, I guess, right? Yeah, we're, 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 we're excited about Mason, and I think Mason's got a great, bright future here. You know, uh, he just happens to be in that situation where, you know, he's playing behind the guy that has every record in East Carolina history and pretty much the American Conference. So, you know, that's just the, 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 the thing he's been dealt before COVID came, which nobody can control or understand or explain at this point either, <laughs> he Holton would have been gone, and the plan was for him to come in and work behind a veteran, and that's a great way to become a good quarterback is to work behind a really good quarterback. And he would have been the starter this year, and he would have been absolutely ready to do that. He He's played in one game. He was five out of seven, and he had three rushes for, I don't know, you know double-digit yardage and play fabulous right there. But you just don't play two quarterbacks, as I've said before. This isn't like starting pitchers now in baseball where they go five innings and you get it to the bullpen. You just don't change quarterbacks out. There's just too many things would, would have to change, from even from your cadence from, to what plays you would run. And one quarterback being left-handed and the other quarterback being right-handed is a whole other world of differences because then you force – all your other players to have to run the plays both ways. Right, yeah. And and you don't have time to practice all that stuff. So it's really hard to play two quarterbacks, period. Normally if a team plays two, they don't have one. Um, but, but then you put such a veteran as one of them with another guy that doesn't have much experience, then it makes it hard to, to yeah. have a game plan yeah. for both. And then one being right-handed, one being – so there's just a whole bunch of stuff going there. But Mason's worked hard and Mason's ready to go. Mason – had asked a red shirt this year, and with the new rule that you can play in four games, we are trying to, uh, you know, accommodate him with that. So we have four games left, and he can play in three of them, and we plan to use him, you know, in that capacity in, in some way. We're, we're going to try to get him some more experience, but he's doing great, and uh, the future is very, very bright. Now, he's a total different player than Holt, so things are going to change a little bit. 
and we'll play to his strength because right now we play to Holton's strength. Okay, let's pause here. We'll have more with Donnie Kirkpatrick coming up, uh, plus uh, Brian Mull later in the hour. But right now, Ben Byram with a 94-3 The Game sports update. Here's Ben. We got Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick on the line with us uh, here, Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, we appreciate Coach taking a few minutes with us here. Uh, well, I, I, look, I know your time's valuable, so I, I, we can quick hit on some of this. Uh, but, uh, you know, Ehlers is playing well, and there's two a- aspects of this uh, team that are really going well on offensively right now. Uh, Keaton Mitchell running the ball and and, and others, uh, but also the offensive line. And, and those guys don't get enough credit and – you know, it wasn't an overnight fix. It couldn't be an overnight fix. But Coach Shank and those guys up front have done a, a fantastic job this year, Coach. Yeah, you know, it was probably the the biggest issue we had, not to insult anybody. You know, it's hard not to sometimes in a sensitive world. But the offensive line was, was a problem when we got here. And I wish we could have gotten it fixed and gotten it better. But injury just kept kind of putting us – back and, and, and all. And finally, we got a little bit of depth. We still don't have the depth we'd like to have, but they played great. And, and you travel with the morale of the offensive line and what the attitude they that they carry into it. And, you know, we protected the quarterback so much better this year. That was a major concern that me and Shank talked about in the offseason about, you know, we're, we're going to be a team that's going to throw it 50% or more of the time. And we're going to have some pretty good receivers this year. We got to improve the pass protection, and, we, and Coach Shank worked hard with those guys. And we we haven't given up nearly as many sacks or as many pressures this year, which has led to a lot less interceptions too. So everything works as a team unit in in football. It's not like golf; it's not an individual sport. So the quarterback has a you know how he plays has a lot to do with how the receivers go and. And a lot to do how the offensive line plays, but the O line's been really good in the running game. We've obviously got Keaton Mitchell, which you can make anybody look pretty good. But there have been some nice running holes in there that have given Keaton a chance to get in that secondary and break those long runs. Um, obviously, uh, we, we, it was disappointing to have um, uh, to have Rajay go down. Uh, I thought it was cool the FaceTime after the BYU win. That was that was a cool thing. Yeah, uh, for, for that. But boy, Keaton Mitchell, and, and I, I say this about two people in this world. One is Cy Seymour. The other is Keaton Mitchell. If you can't like <laughs> those two people, that's a you problem. I'm with you. I know them both. Yeah, I love them both. <laughs> and uh, maybe Keaton a little bit more sometimes because he breaks more long runs. But uh, both, both two great ones right there, no question. <laughs> but I mean, he he's just such an upbeat, even – when the results have it turned out like uh, we would have wanted, Keaton just stays upbeat and just keeps grinding. He, he and and what talent! He's he's amazing. He really is. He is. He is such a good young man. It's such a unique situation, and it really makes being a coach here, you know, at work all the time and all the aggravation that that you go through to to coach at this level. Uh, when you got guys like Rajay and and Keaton, and they're just the biggest fans of each other. And that was just so unique for him to get Raji on the phone, uh, you know, in the locker room because he's still such a big part of it. Raji's at our practices, and nobody's more upbeat than him. Keaton would be close, okay, but nobody's more upbeat than Raji. And he got dealt a bad hand, got hurt, you know, and uh, at the time that Keaton was already banged up. And yeah. So, uh, but but what a great situation, and that's why our team's winning because they're playing as a team and they're being unselfish. And it's all those things. It's coach speak, but it's really going on here. 
and the culture's really got itself itself to where it is a winning culture, and the kids don't care who's getting the credit right now; they just want to win, and so. Uh, really good situation there. And Marlon Guns come through for us as yeah, well. I was going to say, look, look no further than Mitchell was probably the guy cheering on Marlon Gunn late stages of the BYU win. Absolutely. You know, Keaton got banged up, and we probably should have had Keaton out of there on the third down and the fourth down in hindsight. You know, uh, but Keaton wouldn't wouldn't come out yeah. is really what it came down to. And we didn't know he was that banged up. We knew he took a hard hit, but he said he was fine. And later we got Marlon in there. And then really Marlon had the key runs that set the field goal up to win the game. So yeah. Coach Foster's done a great job with, with, with Keaton and Rajay, which there's a lot of, you know, a lot to go on when you've got guys that are superstars and how you continue to get them better. But he's done a great job of developing. Marlon Gunn is a true freshman, so he's got a bright future here, too, because you never have enough good players. With with the way this sport is, they get injured, you know, so you never have enough. Ray, Quan Boyette's come on, and uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that Winstead and Johnson have had the big years they've had. No, you know, uh, it's been great to have Raekwon a part of the team. Class guy, too. true Eastern North Carolina guy, you know what I'm saying? Everybody in this area loves him. I recruit mostly the the local areas in the in the southeast part, and I can't go any, to any school where they don't ask me about him because he's had that area when he was at that other school up the road there for a while, but just such a hometown guy. You know, we've been very fortunate. Isaiah's come in and really um, worked out just great for a team, and the teams loved him, and they welcomed him, and he's worked so hard. And so the receivers have had a very good year. You know, like I say, Holton's leading – the, the league in passing, Isaiah's leading the league in receiving. I think CJ's up there pretty darn close. Yeah. You know, with that too. Keaton's leading the league in rushing. So, you know, I wish we were scoring a few more points. That's something I do wish. I think we're underachieving a little bit for the yardage that we're getting. But we're controlling the game and we're putting ourselves in position to win the game. And, and so we, we just got a really good thing going right now. Now we got a three game stretch coming up oh, yeah. here. Yeah. So, so it's going to be tough, but it's, it's why you play the sport. And uh, we got to go play a great Cincinnati team on the road up there. I think they have the second longest win streak at home uh, next to Clemson going on. So we got to go up there. We got to end that streak. We just ended the streak out at BYU where they had won 14 Friday night game, home games in a row. So we got another challenge ahead of us there. And then, hey, we get to come home to, uh, to Dowdy. And uh, we're really expecting the Houston game to be a sellout in the pirate nation to really get behind these kids on senior day yeah Ayler's last home game so that that's that'll be big two quick things for you yeah two quick things for you here i know you got to go but two quick things for you uh what is the uh the scout team bowl tell people what's going on this week with the scout because i want to give those guys a shout well this this is probably even bigger than if we play in the conference championship game, if you could be at our practice. There'll probably be more excitement on our team. Now, it won't be the fans. It won't be the band. Right. So it'll be the true, true excitement. But in the open day, it's kind of a tradition that on the Thursday practice, before they get the Friday, Saturday off, and we come back on Sunday to start on Cincinnati, that the guys that are redshirting that normally run the scout teams for us, which means they run the other team's offense or they run the other team's defense, so we prepare for the game, they get a chance to, to play each other in a scrimmage. And uh, it gets wild because obviously they've got, <laughs> they got nine weeks. They got nine weeks of watching the other kids play, you know, built up in them. And so they really want to show out. 
they're already talking smack. They, it started on Sunday. Wow. Talking against each other, you know, the offense versus the defense. And then uh, I don't know that if, if they're probably not quite as excited, and they're pretty darn excited as our other players that play. They get so fired up <laughs> to watch these guys. Right. And uh, they'll be out there pulling. So it'll, it'll be as loud or about almost as loud as that as you can get in there with those guys cheering those guys on. And it, it'll just be an awesome time. And we'll go to probably the last man standing out there ah, on Thursday. But it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be pretty simple because they don't know many of the plays. They don't know yeah. many of the defenses. So it'll be old school football. It won't be any dodging, though. I've asked you questions that people have sent in to me to, to want to ask you here. I, I've not called people out because a lot of them are the same questions. <laughs> but Pirate Al yeah. wants, wants to know who your favorite pro wrestler is. I, oh, I, my goodness. Yeah. So I, I don't it, well, That's it. I think there's only one Ric Flair in there. <laughs> that's his favorite. I mean. So that works. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, no doubt. Yeah. Would you like a, a, a feather boa robe? Would that work for you to maybe come out on for the final home game? You know, I look pretty good in a lot of things, <laughs> but I don't know if that'd be me or not. That that might be a stretch. For yeah, me it could be. It could be. <laughs> uh, Coach, I appreciate your time. Uh, you're one of my favorites. I, I can't thank you enough uh, for uh, taking a few, or actually a lot of minutes with us here, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you so much. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on. We, we really do appreciate what you guys do for the program because it is important to have the, the, the media, you know, uh, in a fair media. And we know your force. We, we absolutely do. And so we do appreciate what y'all do for us. Thank you, Coach. Be good. All right. Thank you, buddy. See you. Great to have Donnie Kirkpatrick on. And uh, thanks for uh, all of the folks that sending questions, even Pirate Out. Uh, no, that was a great question, Pirate. How could you go wrong with Nature Boy Ric Flair? Okay, uh, we'll be back after uh, this time out. Get a little uh, primer on the hoop season, which starts next week. Brian Mall, our pal from uh, collegeinsider.com and other outlets. Of It's already been a great show. It promises only to get better now that Brian Mull is uh, with us here as uh, we talk some college hoop uh, with the season starting next week. My friend, how are you, Mr. Mull? I'm doing well. It is such a wonderful time of the year. Certainly uh, college football cranking up here into the final month of the regular season. And, of course, college basketball starting Monday night around the nation and the next night in Greenville. Yeah, uh, get to the Pirates here in just a second. Top-ranked North Carolina against UNCW, future Pirate opponent, uh, to kick things off uh, one of those uh, 9 o'clock games because, uh, you know, they're college kids. So uh, they're, they're up late anyway. They're not, they're not cracking the books if they are. Uh, okay, so uh, how good are the Tar Heels this year, Brian Mull? I think they're very good. I mean, I think that goes without saying uh, when you return – Basically, your whole team uh, from a national runner-up, and uh, you add some nice pieces in the in the portal and through high school recruiting. Uh, this this should be a team in a year where I think it's going to take 
a lot of teams, including some of the top teams, a little while to figure themselves out and, uh, you know, define roles and understand exactly the style that they need to be successful. I think UNC is in a position to hit the ground running and, uh, you know, just watched a little bit of their exhibition the other night, uh, granted against a, a much inferior opponent, but just, uh, they look good. They look sharp. Uh, certainly guys making shots. It seems like Baycott can do whatever he wants on the interior. So I think until someone proves otherwise, uh, they are the favorite in the ACC, of course, with uh, Duke and Virginia slotting in right behind. And then a pretty big drop off to the rest yeah. of uh, that conference. Well, you can't talk about UNC without talking about Duke, and it's a brand new era for the Blue Devils. Uh, no doubt. I mean, here we are. Uh, most of us. <laughs> of a certain age, uh, know nothing other than uh, Mike Krzyzewski coaching at Duke and uh, no longer the case. John Shire taking over certainly has a very talented team. Once again, a lot of uh, you know the best recruiting class in the country added some nice pieces, veteran guys through the portal. Jeremy Roach, who really came on running the team as point guard last year during the playoffs or during the tournament, excuse me, comes back kind of be the old head in a way on this team. But uh, I, I think uh, I'm really interested, like most people are, to see what happens. Uh, I think we're going to see a, a defensive-minded group, uh, and um, it's going to be very interesting to see what Shire does with rotations and how this team develops over the course of four or five months. You know, um, you talked about everybody getting to know one another, a team that probably that does a little bit, but – Really, everybody kind of knows everybody pretty well, and they're number three in the preseason for a reason. Uh, picked to win the American, and that is Houston. Uh, look, I, I love the Cougars. You had a chance to talk with uh, with Kelvin Sampson this week. I, I did, and what what a uh, what a gentleman, what a thrill! I've always admired Kelvin from afar. Only uh, covered him a time or two in game situations, but. Uh, was he was gracious enough to to give me about a half hour of his time for a feature I'm writing for collegeinsider.com that'll be out probably later this week and um you know he was great we talked a little bit about everything growing up in North Carolina and his his father who's of course a Hall of Fame high school coach and uh his influences early in his career his time in the NBA and uh man I I just I think more than anything I want to go to a Houston practice <laughs> and I, I, I'll sit way, I'll sit way up in the corner, or way back. I don't want anybody to know that I'm there necessarily. But I would just like to be a fly on the wall and uh, watch. I could feel the intensity in his voice just talking about the practice that was coming up that afternoon. Right. And I felt, I felt a little bit for for his players. <laughs> um, of course, they know what they've gotten themselves into, and that's a reason. Uh, that that toughness, uh, the rebounding, the defense, I mean, those things aren't going to change. They've added uh, a very talented uh, incoming top 10 high school player and certainly uh, with Sasser and uh, Jamal Sheed coming back. I mean, their backcourt is right. going to be phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Cougars, are, they're loaded. They they might have as good a backcourt as anywhere in the country, and they're going to guard you and they're going to rebound. And, uh, and look, uh, you, I think you talked to uh, – coach the day after the super top secret uh, scrimmage that we're not supposed to know about what we do against Duke and uh, look I think a positive for both sides it, it shows you the respect that 
college basketball rightfully so has for Calvin Sampson and his program. And it, it gave uh, those young Duke guys, even though they were without a couple of their stars, uh, a, a taste of what March could be like. If you go in there to Houston and play any type of game, a scrimmage, I don't care what type of game, you, you walk out of there knowing you will not run across a tougher outfit the rest of the season. Like that, that is the, the absolute barometer for uh, toughness, half-court defense, rebounding. You're going to have to fight for every ball. And, uh, yeah, I think it was a great move on Shire's part to kind of get away from some of the exhibition games that they've played in the past, which, you know, are fun for the fans and fun for the players to pad their imaginary stats. But this was a game that could really open their eyes to, uh, okay, you've been dominant at the high school level. You've had a lot of success. Well, well, this is what you're going to have to endure. This is what you have to get through to win an NCAA Sweet 16 game or to win an ACC Conference Tournament Championship or just to compete in a league like the ACC night in and night out. So, uh, yeah, I think a wise move on Shire's part in a game that uh, I'm sure both coaches have plenty of teaching material after that one. Brian Mull uh, with us here, uh, collegeinsider.com, part of the Blue Ribbon uh, preseason magazine. Lots to uh, lots to talk to him about uh, here. College basketball firing up next week. Let me let me ask you this, and, and this will get to you know you can get into a little more of who you think later. But is Houston a legitimate Final Four national title contender in your mind? Absolutely. I, was, I think we have a pretty wide open field, to be honest, uh, just looking at the analytics that I prefer and uh, certainly reading up as much as I have can on a lot of these teams. I mean, I think right now, maybe 15 teams that – could become a Final Four slash national championship contender. Now, obviously, that number will dwindle. There will be injuries. There will be teams who, who don't come together uh, out of that group, and it will probably be a much smaller number when we actually get to March. They can clip the nets. But Houston, uh, if, with what they survived last year from a personnel loss standpoint to advance as far as they did and then just be done in by a horrible shooting performance at the end there, um, I just think that they're on the list until they prove otherwise, until somebody, you know, gotcha. certainly as, the, as yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, Brian Mull with us here. Okay. Uh, East Carolina made the change to Mike Swartz, heralded assistant from, from Tennessee. Uh, it is going to be a, a work in progress, obviously. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's establishing his culture, which is going to be a defensive kind of first culture. What What I think stylistically he wants to play and, and, and how he wants to do things that, I mean, that is going to be a winning formula. Now you got to get the dudes, but I mean, what he wants to establish is a winning formula in the American more than likely. Don't you agree? I agree. I think uh, if you look at that league, hard nosed tough minded coaches and teams baskets, sometimes difficult to come by in some of those January, February conference games and uh, we know it. I mean, we've said it, you and I, we've, many times defense and rebounding travel, that's something that you can hang your hat on night in and night out. Uh, as you upgrade the talent over time, certainly the offense can come around, but I think uh, starting on that end of the court is a wise move uh, by, by Mike Schwartz. And, and when you look at uh, who he's worked for and the defenses that Tennessee's had in recent years, certainly he has the blueprint. Um now you you know got to be able to continue to recruit like you said the level of talent but 
But in year one, with low expectations, I think if they can form some type of identity, every team has an identity at some point during the season. I mean, they're not all good, but if they can just form the identity of a tough team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and forces you to work for every basket on the offensive end, I think that would be a huge step forward for that program. And and then he can continue to build it build it through recruiting as he goes forward. Do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously, it would have been easy to to go straight portal. A lot of places are doing that now. Uh, it's interesting that he's he's kind of gone with this youth movement, and they did get some players from the portal, but they were by and large younger players. Uh, that's kind of an interesting way to go about building this thing. It is. I would have gone with a little bit more of a hybrid, a little more of a mix. I think we're seeing a lot of that around where. Certainly, you do not forego the high school player. You need to build with, with and develop younger players and, and get what you can at that level to keep a solid foundation. But there, there were a lot of players out there who had put up 10 to 15 points at the college level, maybe at a lower level, uh, lower level of Division One, maybe even a Division Two guy or two, or just, just some guys who had been through the wars a little bit uh, would have certainly helped this team as far as uh, ending wins or losses wins and losses, but, uh, you know, I think he's doing it his way. We'll see. They're going to take some, they're going to take some lumps. There's going to be some nights when scoring is going to be a chore for that team. But, uh, if, if, if he can keep them together, uh, both, you know, uh, mentally and, uh, and going forward, I think he'll have a nice nucleus to build around. Brian, uh, as we, and we're going to talk to you all during the season, how many? How deep is the championship field this year nationally? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think uh, 12, 12 to fifteen wow. are, are, are probably uh, right now believing that if that if things fall correctly, uh, that they can be in that mix. Uh, certainly, the Big Twelve is going to be a phenomenal conference. It's been the strongest conference in college basketball uh, consistently over the last five to six years. And when you look at uh, defending champion Kansas, Baylor, Texas, uh, all, all of those programs are going to be right in the mix. Certainly TCU and Texas Tech not far behind. When you look, go to look at the SEC, which probably has the most NBA talent of any conference, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, you know, Arkansas has got the best recruiting class in the country. And uh, certainly Alabama has been has been solid under Nate Oates. So, uh, you know, you've got a handful of programs right there. And then, and then the Zags out west, you know, yeah. until they until they win one, uh, Arizona, UCLA. I mean, so, so we've got a, a pretty representative, uh, you know, with the ACC kind of honestly being towards the bottom of that list. Uh, I know Virginia's rated pretty high by some of the analytics, and a lot of people think they're going to bounce back this year. But I'm not really sold on the Cavaliers as a – as a final four contender at this moment. Hey, Brian, uh, why don't we uh, make the tentative plan to talk to you next uh, Wednesday after uh, we've got an ECU game in the book and we've got a few of the season openers and uh, we could delve into some of the other things going on around college hoops as well. I would love to. That sounds like a great plan. All right, Brian, thanks a lot. Okay, thank you, Patrick. Great to have Brian Mole with us here. Thanks to Donnie Kirkpatrick as well. Thanks to Ben Byron for a great job producing as always. We'll be back tomorrow with Jim Zoki and ECU women's basketball coach Kim McNeil. We'll uh, catch you then on the Patrick Johnson Show. But I must do the wrong call. Hit us in a bad place. And I wonder what's good for. I've been in a right place. But I must
been a wrong time. My head is in a bad place. Who have such a good time? I've been running, trying to keep tongue up in my mind. Just got to give myself a good talking to this time. 